It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, August 18th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. After BBC headlines, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza brings you a live update on the highway fire. He'll speak with the Nevada County Office of Emergency Services. Then we jump into tonight's newscast. The California News Service shares projections for green jobs in the Golden State. And we've got your weekend weather forecast, which includes a special weather statement for the Truckee Tahoe area. And KVMR's Felton Pruitt chats with Father's Day bluegrass alumnus Casey Holmberg, a fog hauler. The Bluegrass Ensemble plays at Gold Vibe Kombuchery in Grass Valley, Thursday, August 24th. 606 here at KVMR. This is the KVMR Evening News. We're going to be joined momentarily by Vera DeFerrari. She's Public Information Officer with the Nevada County Emergency Operations Center. And we're going to be talking about the highway fire. The highway fire started on Wednesday right around 2.30 p.m. and has been burning ever since. Vera DeFerrari, thank you so much for joining us here at KVMR. How are you? I'm well. Happy Friday, everyone. We made it through the week. (laughs) Yes, indeed we did. Indeed we did. Vera, the last time we spoke today um, at noon, the highway fire was at around 35 acres and 10% contained. Have there been any changes to those numbers? No, those remain. The latest update we have is, again, 35 acres and 10% containment. And how about those road closures? I know, I know that we have been asking the same questions over and over, but it's worth repeating for people that haven't heard yet. There have been two road closures in effect in that area. Are those still in place? Yes, we still have the road closure on Omega at Highway 20, which includes Alpha Omega south of Alpha Loop. Um, and there is also the road closure on Washington Road between Phelps Hill and the River Rest Campground. And today we did offer traffic control along the Washington Road for residents from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m., which is now closed, and residents are asked to take and use alternative routes such as Gaston or Relief Hill Road until otherwise indicated. And as always, when traveling in these areas, please be very careful and be aware of fire personnel who continue to work in the area. Vera, we try to check in with you regularly and, and get this information out to our audience. For the times that we're not able to to talk on the air, some of this information is available on the dashboard, isn't it? Yeah, so we have a link on the dashboard. And again, the link to the dashboard, the Nevada County, um, Ready Nevada County dashboard is uh, readynevadacounty.org forward slash dashboard. And once you're there, there's a link at the top that will actually take you to a current incidents page. And the link to that, they are linked together back and forth. So you can literally do a circle with these two pages. You could also Google um, Nevada County, California.gov forward slash current incidents. And that'll take you, again, it has a circular link that'll take you back to the dashboard. And the current incidents page is the page we're currently updating in live time. So it'll have all the latest as to what's going on with road closures and evacuation orders, even photos of the closures in case, you know, we've heard Zone Haven was really hard for people to get into. 
can see the closures. So we put some flat pictures there so it's easy for people to get to. Yeah, let's talk about Zone Haven. For people that, that uh, either can't remember how to get to Zone Haven or are having trouble, that dashboard is also a place that can funnel them to that information, right? It can. There's a link on that dashboard to the Zone Haven website, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually the first link that you get to is a nice graphic of Zone Haven. Um, we also have some live webcams out there. Um, burn statuses, wind and weather. So there's all sorts of resources on the Ready Nevada County dashboard that folks can really utilize to see kind of the full effect of what's going on at any time in our in our topography and climate changes that happen so quickly. So it's a great tool. And let's talk about those zones. As of right now, as of 610 on this Friday evening, what zones are under evacuation warnings and which zones are still under evacuation orders? Yeah, so the evacuations are, the evacuation orders, pardon me, are for NCO-E315-A, and the second one is NCO-EO30. And then warnings pertain to just NCO-E316 and NCOE315B. And that's all we have right now as far as warnings and orders are concerned. Typically, when we announce these evacuation zones, these zone haven zones, they're, they're not hyphenated with an A or a B. Let's talk a bit about why these were. That, that was sort of an ad hoc split yeah. of the two zones, right? Yeah, it was. We did that last night, and um, Sheriff Shannon Moon was on to discuss that a little bit, but I can kind of go into it a little bit. In order to kind of start the repopulation process and to kind of um, allow people back into some of these areas, we did break zones out into kind of mini zones, if you will. We have the A and the B, signifying A is still under an evacuation order, whereas the B is um, now at a warning, which means you should be ready to go. And those who need more time should obviously be packed and ready and have their livestock ready to go. But you can be in the area still lawfully and not run into any problems, whereas an evacuation order does lawfully mean you should be out of the area. So this is a great way to kind of allow people back into the area and to kind of begin a, a soft repopulation. Vera, before I let you go, there has been uh, one announcement the Nevada County Sheriff's uh, Office did announce via Twitter or X or whatever they, <laughs> they call themselves at the moment. Uh, the point being, while this is probably something that's more localized, a lot of people in the little town of Washington may not have access to the Internet right now. KVMR is their source of information. Let's talk about that announcement. Uh, specifically, the sheriff announced that there was going to be a special meeting for those for those residents. Yeah, so tonight there'll be a community, a highway fire community meeting. It will be in the little town of Washington um, at the town hall, and it it will occur at 7 p.m. And it is again for Washington residents, as you as you mentioned, and it's just a real a really great way for um, locals learn a little bit about what the next steps are in regards to the highway fire and kind of where where everything stands right there in their little local community. All right. Once again, if you're just tuning in, that's Vera DeFerrari from the Nevada County 
Emergency Operations Center. She's a public information officer. That meeting she was talking about is going to happen today at the, that's for Washington residents at 7 p.m. at uh, the Washington Fire Department. Vera, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Claudio. Have a good evening. You as well. California likes to pride itself as a leader in several industries, especially when it comes to the environment. But just what does the future of the state's green economy look like? Suzanne Potter with California News Service finds out. Green jobs in the Golden State are projected to increase by more than 7% over the next five years, according to a new report from Working Nation. Last year, California had more than 210,000 workers in the green economy with more than 53,000 openings. J.B. Tenko with the Blue Green Alliance says almost every sector of the economy has a role to play in our climate goals. California, from the size of its economy, the size of its energy need, the energy diversity, the complexity is definitely daunting. California is spending billions to expand solar and wind power, build the EV charging network, promote energy efficiency, and make our homes, cities, roads, and environment more resilient to the effects of climate change. Julia Hatton runs the Rising Sun Center for Opportunity in Oakland, which provides training and employment programs. She says stakeholders must prioritize equity by hiring more women, people of color, and people with prior involvement in the justice system. You have the climate part of the mission, and it's so important. It has to happen fast, and it has to happen everywhere. But how can we make sure that those opportunities are also uplifting economically? That's a big question. Tim Rainey with the California Workforce Development Board says we must work to create good jobs that can sustain a family. We don't want to put those people into jobs that are poor quality, high turnover, low pay, because we're not making any difference in their lives. We're not going to put poor people in bad jobs because that's not going to move the needle on equity. The state also offers agricultural technical assistance programs to help farmers and growers make their operations more sustainable. This story was produced with original reporting by Laura Aka for Working Nation. Support for this reporting was provided by Lumina Foundation. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Now let's take a look at your forecast from the National Weather Service. Temperatures take a dip as we head into next week. Something that will stick around? Isolated mountain thunderstorms. As the remnants of Hurricane Hillary progress northward, there will be increasing chances for rain early next week. However, the National Weather Service says significant rain impacts will most likely hit south of our listening area. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 64 degrees, a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms after midnight. Saturday, sunny with a high near 91. Saturday night sees increasing clouds with a low around 66 degrees. Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high near 82, a 30% chance of showers, mainly before noon. Sunday night will be mostly cloudy with a low around 64 degrees, and that 30% chance of showers remains. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 47 degrees. Showers and thunderstorms are likely. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 77. Showers are likely with possible thunderstorms after 11 a.m. Saturday night's likely to see showers with the possibility of thunderstorms. It'll be mostly cloudy with a low around 48 degrees. Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high near 66. Scattered showers, then showers likely, and possibly a thunderstorm after 11 a.m. 
Sunday night will be mostly cloudy with a low around 46 degrees. Showers are likely and we may see a thunderstorm before 11 p.m. The National Weather Service has issued a special weather statement for the Truckee Tahoe area. As showers and thunderstorms continue, the area will see heavy rain accompanied by the potential for flooding Sunday through Monday. These storms may bring gusts over 45 miles per hour. Tropical moisture from Hurricane Hillary will surge into the southwest Sunday through Tuesday. Meteorologists are still unsure what implications this will have for our listening area. What they do know, the moisture will bring additional rounds of showers and thunderstorms. High temperatures will also be cooler. We'll see a dip 10 to 20 degrees below normal. The best chances for higher precipitation totals will be south of US 50, where there's a 30 to 50% chance of at least two inches of rainfall. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly clear with a low around 63 degrees. Saturday, sunny and hot with a high near 98. Saturday night will be partly cloudy with a low around 66 degrees. A 20% chance of showers after 11 p.m. Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 90. That 20% chance of showers remains. Sunday night will be mostly cloudy with a low around 73 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. KVMR's Felton Pruitt is back with your Friday dish of local live music, and he's talking to Father's Day Bluegrass Festival alumnus Casey Holmberg. Holmberg describes his band Fog Holler Sound as a new version of something old. Stick around to hear where the Bluegrass Ensemble will be playing in Grass Valley next Thursday. We're talking with Casey Holmberg from Fog Holler. They're going to be playing at the Gold Vibe Kombucheri in Grass Valley this coming Thursday at 8 p.m. Casey, thanks for joining us. Oh, pleasure, really. Thanks for having me. So Fog Holler is a band that people might not be familiar with, so let's dig into it. How long has there been a Fog Holler? So Fog Holler started um, in the beginning of 2018, but... um, we were just a trio back then. Um, since then, we've uh, had a bit of time to play, write music. Um, we've added another member. Um, more recently, we got a fiddle player, which makes us now a four-piece sort of bluegrass ensemble. We play mostly our own original music that is referential to the sort of original traditional bluegrass sound, but relies on our own storytelling and our own um, sort of melodic preferences. Um, so we've we've created a a new version of something old, I guess you'd say. I like that. I like that a lot. A new version of something old. Let's talk about the band now. You were a three-piece, now you're a four-piece because you've added a fiddle player. Let's see, you also need a mandolin to be a, a true bluegrass band. That's true. And, you know, our very first uh, gig, someone told us, you know, you really need a, a mandolin to play bluegrass. And... <laughs> We still haven't corrected that issue, so, so uh, we, uh, we we're definitely in in bluegrass remedial class um, for that for that sin. But um, you know, uh, getting a bluegrass band together, we we started um, just as a trio, and it was um, really interesting to try and figure out how to play try and create a full band sound um, missing the fiddle and the mandolin because um, we were just a banjo guitar and bass in the beginning. And it really, it forced us to work on 
our groove and really tighten that up so that when we did add a fiddle player, it feels like a very full sound to me now. Um, and I do, there's times when I wish that we had a mandolin player, but I'm, I'm very happy with how the band is sounding now that we've, we've added Lillian Sawyer on fiddle. She provides a lot of the chop that the, the mandolin characteristically provides to bluegrass to our music. And um, it's, it's really added a lot. Well, yeah, you can still pull it down and pick it too. All right, so uh, we're going to see you this Thursday at Gold Vibe Kombucha. Have you been through Grass Valley before? Yeah, actually, in 2019, the band as a trio got to play on Vern's stage at the Father's Day Bluegrass Festival. Awesome, yeah. And so that was our first time coming through um, Grass Valley as a band. I had played previously there at a spot called Open Book with a different project, and sort of fell in love with the town for the first time, just both the way that, you know, the everything is on the slope and you get to walk up and down. It feels like there's no flat ground in the town hardly, which I really liked. Um, I love that mountain town vibe, all the old sort of Victorian, pre-Victorian architecture feels incredibly Western and uniquely Californian. We're talking with Casey Holmberg. He's with the band Fog Holler. They're coming up to the Gold Vibe Kombuchery on Thursday. So talk a little bit about where you got your love of the banjo from. Who were some of your early inspirations? Yeah, I played saxophone mostly um, in my youth and didn't really play string instruments until I I left my hometown. I was at college and there were a lot of people um, meeting up, jamming with guitars on in the common spaces. And I wanted to participate in some way. So I went out and I found myself a, a mandolin from a local music store and I, I picked that up and I was trying to teach myself a little bit and so started listening to more music that featured the mandolin and that's when I really discovered um, bluegrass and subsequently bluegrass banjo the sound of the banjo really just did something to me and listening to it just sort of lit my brain up it was a phenomenon where I would go on these like YouTube searches and watch all these videos and then go to sleep. And I was dreaming about banjos and it was sort of this unhealthy obsession that I had to deal with by finding a banjo. So I acquired one and took it around everywhere with me. At that point, I was listening to a lot of people. Um, Earl Scruggs really was, of course, one of the foundational figures of the banjo, but also um, his music, having had a basis in saxophone, he, he does all this stuff that is really referential to these old sort of swing and big band numbers that felt very familiar. And so there was a, a nice connection between that early jazz and some of the early bluegrass that felt very similar playing a horn to playing the banjo. So it, there, was, there was definitely a point of connection there. But then as I discovered more, I got really into um, the playing of Noam Kelney the playing of Denny Barnes, who's a Northwest sort of banjo underground figure. There's probably some of the biggest inspirations. And then when we were out on the scene um, in the Bay Area, I got to meet uh, Robert Earl Davis of the Earl Brothers, who are a uh, bluegrass band based out of San Francisco. And his playing um, was really inspirational to me, too. He has this sort of drive to keep everything very simple and straightforward on the banjo and i think that that's sometimes players will try and get caught up in in all that they can do but robert really he focuses on that that sort of pure simple sound that really 
drives drives the song forward and that that was inspirational to me as well so i'd say those those four people were probably some of the biggest inspirations for me well the earl brothers are whiskey infused so you have to take it with a grain of salt there it's true it's true <laughs> yes. are you guys uh more of a dance band would you say or you're a listening band that's a good question. I think we sort of we straddle that line a little bit. Um, we definitely have some pieces that are more arranged, and um, the focus shifts, the the beat drops out from here or in different places, and it it might be a little harder to dance to some of our tunes. But we also do have some very up and driving music. So uh, I wish I wish I had a straight answer for you, but I'd say that we're probably. It's a it's a yes and no, is I guess what I'd say. You can always find a way to dance to our music. Hey, Casey, thank you so much for talking with us. That's Casey Holmberg from Fog Holler. They're coming up to the Gold Vibe Kombuchi Thursday, 8 o'clock show. Uh, if people want to get more information about Fog Holler, how do they do that? Well, we are at fogholler.band on the Internet. That's dot B-A-N-D. And then we are also on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all the social media, if you want to give us a a follow there. Um, I'd say those are the best ways to keep in touch with us. Our website will have all of our dates listed for where we're going to be when. Very good. Thanks for all the info, and we look forward to seeing you on Thursday night. Well, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. That's our newscast for Friday, August 18th. Listen to anything you may have missed on our website, kvmr.org. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Prosperity Lanes, offering 18 lanes of solar-powered, air-conditioned bowling with group accommodations, black light bowling, special needs accessibility, and league bowling. Shirley's Grill serves salads, soups, breakfast, burgers, and beer. Open daily, prosperitylanes.com. And... Pioneer Community Energy, reminding listeners that locally owned, not-for-profit Pioneer brings a choice in electricity providers to Grass Valley and Nevada City in January 2024. More info at pioneercommunityenergy.org expansion. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonca. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend.